Hey, Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to D6 Minutes, the uh, short podcast where we talk about a topic for D6 Minutes. All right. So, so, so you've got the dice, right? Because I don't have a dice. Oh, yeah. I totally almost forgot. But luckily, I'm obsessed with miniature games. So I just reached over and found a dice lying there on the table. Awesome. I would have had to use some cursed G, little GW dice. Anyways, very good. All right, so uh, basically we go through questions and the first question I want to talk about is um, Code 1 related. So we played a bunch of games with uh, Infinity Code 1 because it just came out. Um, We had a podcast about it where we talked in more detail and length, but I do have one general question uh, that I'm wondering. Now that we've actually played, uh, what is your favorite unit in the code one armies that you ran and why uh four minutes okay i was gonna hope you would name all the armies but from mine i think it would be because i was playing combined army uh-huh i think it would be aliens aliens that are super hidey i think it would be the noctifer spitfire which is basically a hidden model it has a high output gun so your opponent just doesn't see the super hard to hit high output weapon coming at them. And it's not that expensive either. So okay. I enjoyed using that one. All right. Because which army were you playing? You were playing Yu Jing. I was right? playing Yu Jing, which is the um oh, what, what did you roll? Base heavy infantry guy. Four minutes. Back to four minutes. Okay, I forgot that. Okay. So oh, yeah, you should talk more. Well, we can come back to it after I mention mine. So um, okay, so I have two guys. Okay, so so the one that I wanted to be my favorite turned out not to be because he just didn't do that well. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the um, uh, the hero uh, Adil Mamut, who is which, who's supposed to be really good at close combat, uh, and he has a, a new suit model, right? But he's a kind of like a heroic guy who can stab people really good but in code one he only has one wound and not very good uh defensive tech so he basically can never get close enough to stab someone in the face so actually um my favorite uh has been the dao fei basically the same kind of thing that you're talking about is that he is a guy a dao fei with a spitfire so um he's an infiltrating heavy infantry with a big ass gun and he's always my commander, and he has done amazing in the game. And um, yeah, he's you know big ass gun, infiltrating people. Kind of expect it because he's so cool, and he's also comes in the starter set. <laughs> so so everyone's like, yeah, you kind of expect him to be there. Uh, but at the same time, there's only so much you can prepare for when he's like a heavy infantry, infantry infiltrating. And I also think that he's kind of interesting because he's an, uh, a heavy infantry. Um, he's also hackable in code one, which means that there's, it's not just that he can like push straight through your opponent's army, which technically he can, but it kind of makes it interesting when you have to be worried about your opponent's hacking, uh, to stop him from moving in and killing him. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure you might settle on him. Like, if Stang is your favorite model, because he looks cool, he plays cool on the yep. board. I think my favorite may change to something like similar to that as well as the Malignos hacker, because it's also something that appears in camouflage modes. So they don't see what it is, 
and then they fall into your trap of hacking because now hacking in code one is even more like applicable to everybody on the board. Yeah. So I can see him just sitting in the middle of the board and now the board's not as wide either. So you're not, people aren't just going to go around his hacking here. They're probably going to go right through it and they won't know they're about to step into it because he's in camouflage mm -hmm. mode. And mm -hmm. I can see him possibly becoming my new favorite. Yeah. Um, there is, in the same kind of way, uh, I do see, um, oh man, I guess I like a lot of the other things. So I do see um, the other one I was going to mention, but I hadn't actually played it, right? I just saw Leo play it, is uh, the boarding shotgun um, Guai Lang Skirmisher, which is another uh, uh, Yujing unit. And he's like a weaker version, uh, like a weaker guy because uh, he's only has one wound, right? But he's infiltrating and he's good against other infiltrators because he has MSV1 so he can like lower their defensive tech. But he also comes with a shotgun, which the new shotgun rules where you can double template a guy seems amazing. And because he's already starting up there, he can like end people up close. Uh, so I, I do see the possibility and I think he might be able to hack as well. I'm not sure if you can do hacking and boarding shotgun, but that to me is like a, a sweet ass tech. Oh, and they released a new model for him and he looks so good. Yeah. That's a big part of choosing something that's cool. <laughs> Anyways, my, yeah. my, those two models I'm using are the old versions, not the new versions, but I really like them. Anyways, I think that was four. That was four. All right. So you got a question for us? Sure. That I guess not just us, but now with more people being staying at home, that we've been doing online video painting chats. Mm -hmm. I've seen lots of other like podcasts or game stores have been doing these as well, just because people aren't getting together as much. My question is, do you see us continuing this once everybody just goes about their business as usual? Continuing what? Continuing to have online video hobby meetups, like oh, a better name, okay. but just hobby chats is what we often call it but online. Okay. Three minutes. Okay. That's a pretty good length. Okay. For me personally, um, honestly, I don't, I don't really, I don't really see me doing it as much. Um, partially it's just time, right? Uh, we do it on Mondays as a replacement to the time we're usually, uh, we used to be at the game store playing. And, and, then, and then go to a bar afterwards. So it's replacing yeah. quite a giant chunk of time. It's like the entire Exactly. Game. And so once we start doing that, I just don't see me having the time to also do that. Like what day are we going to do that? Sunday, I guess some people do it, right? Saturday. That's, that would be, that'd be terrible because then we have, if we stay up, because we often stay fairly late doing that, because uh, then we play Monday is our typical infinity night. So I can't see doing two days in a row of that. Yeah, it would have to be in the, in, I don't know, the morning or afternoon. And I just have other things to do. And the thing with these, these kind of chats is that generally you want to schedule them to be regular. Otherwise, how are people going to know to show up, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's just hard to do. So I do think though, on the other hand, like that's just for me, um, but I do feel like for other people, who are not necessarily close to a game store or community who don't have that regularity. I think it does. I think it will be popular and I think it will be used. Um, I think pe other people will continue, but just not me. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
and honestly, it's getting popular in general with um, just in general with the rise of streaming. What, what, how about you? What do you think? So I don't know if I would continue it because I find I have enough motivation to just do it on my own schedule. Whereas other people, it's really helping them build the motivation. So I don't actually see myself. I would like to continue it, but mm-hmm. I just don't see myself being incentivized to do it. Because mm-hmm. usually when I hobby, if there aren't going to be as many people, like having a lot of people is what's happening right now because everybody has been funneled into it, which I find makes the painting chats enjoyable because I would rather more focus on hobbying than on chatting and just like chat maybe 15% of the time, which is fine if you've got like six uh-huh. people. Yeah. But if there's less people doing it, I find I don't think I would enjoy it as much. Interesting. Because now it's too one, much talking, too little hobby. One, one thing that I do wonder about, though, is um, if maybe in the future, like we did talk about regularity and everything like that, but it is a, a good point. Like, you know, sometimes we do just spend, you know, have a chunk of time to, to do hobbying. You're like, oh, I want to do hobbying right now. It does, it is a possibility that if, if we just have a group that is generally okay with doing that, when you're hobbying, you might just send a message out to the, to the group and say, oh yeah, I'm hobbying right now. Or, is anyone else hobbying? If so, let's hop on chat and just hobby together. Yeah, but then that, that loses the regularity that gets lots of people into it. So who knows? I, I agree. I, I think it might not be less popular, but it might be a thing that we, we could uh, evaluate in the future to, to see if that uh, that's a possibility, basically. Yeah. Like okay, it really well, doesn't we... like, why not? Why not? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. So I think that was three minutes, but I think maybe, maybe worth trying. It's yeah. It's a maybe. Yeah. It's too quick to solve. All right. I guess that's why people use social media a lot so that literally, you know, exactly when the other person is hobbying. So they're like, Oh, let's just meet up. Yeah. Yep. All right. Okay. So, here is a question. Um, so I've been watching a bunch of uh, podcasts and, and YouTube videos. And you know, 40K is really freaking popular right now. And you know, the interesting thing that I found is that I've, I've been watching a lot of tangential podcasts. I think I mentioned this before from other people who are not 40K players. And they're starting to say, oh, yeah. And then I just started picking up 40K during COVID. I guess the idea is that like you have nothing else to do. So, so yeah, I've been, watching, I've been listening to fluff. Yeah, I've been listening to fluff videos while hobbying. So even though I don't play the game, anyway. So, so I guess my question is: um, I know you know, both you and I were not that into 40k. Like we were ex 40k players, and in your and I opinion, um, we have kind of feel like there are better games and better ways to play to, to hobby than Warhammer Forty Thousand uh, for us, right? So my question is, uh, what if you are talking to some of these people who are just getting into 40K or maybe who have been playing 40K exclusively for a long time, what do you think is the best uh, reason or, or what would you, how would you, yeah, the, what's your go-to line to try and convince people to try out these other hobby games for specifically a 40K player? Okay, so 40k, but Wait, oh, real, real five first, minutes. First, oh, shit. Okay, so five minutes. So, this will be the last one. So, 40k players, or if they're thinking of getting into 40k, they know what a 40k battle looks like. It's two huge lines of miniatures that just set up on either side of each other and then clash. 
which some people like, but if you want a more tactically deep game that's more based on board positioning, you can't have both sides of the board just filled with two hordes. Well, they don't have to be hordes, but it's quite clear who, what area belongs to who, and you just possibly fight over the middle or fight over who kills each other. When you go down to the skirmish war games, which is what we like to play, like Infinity, Frostgrave, I would possibly consider Malfoy if those didn't exist. And but what you get to do is more develop tactics on the board, and each model starts to matter more, and it becomes more narrative around your individual models once you go down to that skirmish war game level. Whereas in the big games, it's more just based on target choice. Because your positioning, it's hard to change because you've got so many models around you. You can't do multiple, like they only get one activation a turn often. So they can only move so far in the course of the whole game. So once you deploy that model, that's kind of where it's going straight ahead or it's going a little bit beside. So just the tactics are so limited and the narrative okay. that goes around individual models is now out of the question. So, so you'd be you'd go and say like a lot of 40k is just like your list building, and then the tactics and gameplay is just generally uh, more about list building and laying them deployment initially, and then it's just about rolling dice to see how it goes. Whereas when you're playing more, it's like a tower defense uh, game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, oh, that's that's a good line. Yeah, it's like a tower defense game where if you want something with more deep strategy and tactics. Uh, on the, the gameplay and more narrative-driven play, you want to go down to that skirmish thing. And that's something you can get that you can't get in. Uh, well, that's harder to get with 40K or and not as deep in that way as these skirmish games. Yeah, and if they don't have a car to come to the game store or they don't want to drive a rush hour with their car, because we live in Toronto, which is not good to do during rush hour, that you can just put your models in a backpack or a bag it's very small. You can carry it with one finger and mm -hmm. just go to the game store with that. Okay. So it's even easier to play the games as well, to get there and get, play the games. All right. Yeah. Just the logistics around playing the game are much easier. Interesting. So number one is gameplay, right? And just the more tactical gameplay. If you care about tactics and gameplay, you want to play these other games. And then the second one is, and it's smaller. You can e easier to actually get games in. Yeah. Okay. So. How long do we go with that part? For it was, uh, two minutes. Oh, that's it. All right. Almost well, three minutes. Yeah. You have anything to add for the other half? Uh, yes. Yeah. So for me, uh, I would say the big thing is uh, variety. That when you start playing these other games, uh, you can try all these. You, you're not. The, the problem with the 40K is that it's way too big right and when you get into 40k you kind of have to be dedicated to like building a like a hundred model army right oh just the length of time you spend building that army yeah and it's all consuming whereas when you play these smaller games even like kill team which is a 40k thing if you like that kind of feeling uh it allows you to to zero in and focus on a small group of models and really lovingly craft them and get into them right and then because they're a smaller group of models you can move on to another group right and so to me it's all about like the varieties the spice of life thing right like even if you end up saying 40k is my main game i'm still going to play this like it's nice to to be be able to to pick up a, a few models from something else and just try it out right so you can 
you, you would have your main game where let's say you play a lot of 40K and then every once in a while you have a palate cleanser where you play a different game. And then my hope is that once you kind of say, oh yeah, just play it a little bit, right? Just try it, just insert it in. And it's so unassuming because let's say your skirmish game is only 10, 15 guys, right? You're, you only have to play this and you can, you can play, uh, you can palate cleanse your, your, your apocalyptic only war uh, science fantasy with, uh, you know, like uh, some small scale skirmish fantasy or some like cyberpunk games that, that you slide in there because like, like we said before, or like we said many times, uh, it's painting up a full infinity army or a full Frostgrave army is like one squad or less than one squad like you, that you'd play in, uh, that you'd have to paint if you're painting for Warhammer 40,000. Then what's so I think so I think that 40k players often just stay in the GW universe for those games often because they're marketed to by them marketed to by them so maybe they'll give kill team a try maybe they'll play mm-hmm. like Necromunda maybe they'll do Aeronautic uh, Imperialis as mm-hmm. to get that like to be able to play something different for once in a while that's not so onerous mm-hmm. but those games aren't as well crafted and they're not well. Supported, so those people don't usually stay with them. I think the supporting is the problem, and I think honestly that's part of what helped Necromunda. Is I, I'm not sure about well crafted. In fact, I think a lot of their secondary games are better crafted than their main games. Yeah. Okay. But they are not supported, and I think what helps Necromunda right now is that it has been supported for like really long, honestly. Yeah, in terms of more factions. Yeah, it's surprising that Games Workshop is actually supporting Necromunda more than they're supporting Kill Team. Which is weird because you think Kill Team literally feeds into the 40k proper, right? But they're right now they're really neglecting Kill Team and they're just like, oh yeah, we're we're doing now Necromunda and stuff like that. And I don't know, maybe it's just internally. The people that like it like it a lot. So they're like, okay, we'll support it and it's paying itself, right? People, enough people are collecting it. So why not support it? Whereas maybe the people that like Kill Team also like 40K, I mean, internally in the company. So they're like, well, I'm just going to work on ninth edition because it just came out. I don't, that's, that's all my focus, right? Whereas the people that maybe like Necromunda are like, no, I like Necromunda. I'm not going to spend all my time working on, let's say, the, the 40K thing when I would rather spend time on Necromunda. I'm just guessing internally. Who knows why? Yep. So that may be what, you just tell them it's better than Necromunda. <laughs> But but here's the thing. That's why I think saying that the variety is a spice of life thing is mm-hmm. a good way to, to go to go at it. Because first of all, you're targeting people who are more likely to try something new and different, right? And mm-hmm. then second of all, it's something that is encouraging them to branch out even further, right? Because you want something even more variety, even more different, right? And then a lot of the times, so, people that are stuck, like even us, when we were into 40k, we didn't even really think about the other games. It, but once you introduce the idea and say, oh, you know, there are other games out there and they're easy to slide in, then you let that bud. And the fact that those games are really good, easy to, excuse me, you have, they have all these strengths, uh, you let that kind of drag them once they've tried it out. Yeah, you just tell them it's easy to get into. You don't tell them how deep it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't tell them how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right. I think that was a good good approach to it all right yeah so um 
Yeah, this has been uh, this edition of the six minutes. And uh, if you have any questions you want us to answer or uh, any thoughts or anything like that, give us a shout. Find us on uh, Facebook or uh, uh, send us an email. Yeah, we'd like to see what questions you have in mind. All right. This has been Alan. Hey, it's been Brandon. All right. One more thing. So if you enjoyed that podcast and want to listen to more, you can find them over at DiceOverEverything.com or uh, on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to leave a comment, message, or ideas for like more podcasts from yeah, us, or just get in touch with us at Facebook and look for Dice Over Everything there. All right. Bye. Bye.